So here's some news that doesn't seem to have hit the West yet, perhaps because the company doesn't want it known that they're continuing to do business in Russia. I don't know. But Procter & Gamble yesterday announced that they would be raising prices across their range of products by an average of 40%. The largest hikes are professional cleaning products up 74%, health and beauty products 70, uh, 67%, and shaving products up 65%. The reasons given are pretty understandable, with P&G citing the unstable situation in the Russian market and unprecedented difficulties in the supply chain. The increase in the price of goods was influenced by the growth in the cost of the transport services, raw materials, as well as the exchange rate. I would say that this is the first day-to-day -day impact of not so much sanctions directly, but the impact of sanctions upon the rubble. I've been paying attention to the cost of products during our supermarket trips, and only now are we noticing increases of around 30 to 40% on things like meat, for example. This news is the first verifiable evidence I've been able to find of price increases that are impacting everyday ordinary citizens in Russia. On Avito, there are numerous listings selling individual nappies. I can't hand on heart say that this wasn't happening before and is directly happening as a result of the announced price hike, but I can say we were told at the supermarket people are limited to buying a maximum of two packs of nappies and toilet paper. No such limits on buying vodka though. So contrary to Jen Psaki's claims, the economy is most certainly not devastated yet, and everyone in Russia knows that the real economy is the vodka barter economy. If you do want to witness devastation in Russia, then look no further than the New York Post, where you'll see a distraught walking advert for McDonald's who chained himself to the door in the hopes of preventing its closure. I'm pleased to say that whilst he may be a heart attack waiting to happen, he was victorious. That's right. Despite McDonald's claiming that they'd be suspending trade from March 14th, it appears that, at least in Moscow, restaurants are working regardless, and according to eyewitnesses, receiving deliveries of fresh buns and burgers. Is this a case of just one rebellious franchisee ignoring the memo and cashing in? Or is it because suspending business would not only cost McDonald's a reported $50 million a month, but perhaps they're also afraid of their restaurants nationalized and losing their trademark? As reported in the New York Post, Russian officials have yet to actually revoke trademark protections, but the government issued a decree earlier this week removing patent protections for companies linked to countries deemed hostile to Russia. CBS News published an article that effectively named and shamed companies still doing business in Russia. Not only have there been calls to boycott companies like Subway, a number of firms like Guardian Industries, which manufactures industrial glass and other products, Molex and Koch Glitch, have been called out as being defiant to the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. Some have even called for all of Koch's assets to be seized, which... If true, and the West started restricting the freedom to do business with whomever you choose, would be rather ironic, to say the least. In addition to companies leaving, in today's news, a famous TV presenter of the channel NTV, Lilia Gildiva, has resigned and reportedly left Russia. And that's not the only drama lately for TV channels. A criminal case against the journalist Marina... 
Ovsyanikova, as it's a bit difficult to say, who displayed a sign of protest on a Russian state news channel, is being prepared under the new article of the criminal code, public dissemination of knowingly false information about the use of RF armed forces. The maximum penalty under this article is 15 years in prison. While Zelensky may have thanked her, I'm rather baffled, in part due to the fact the sign was written half in English. This is a channel watched mainly in the daytime by grannies, so she was clearly expecting, hoping that the clip would hit social media in the West, as it did, which makes me somewhat dubious and suspicious. They say discretion is the better part of valor. If 15 minutes of fame was her goal, she certainly achieved it, but I can't speak for the rest. I'm not going to judge, each to their own. We all have to live with and bear the responsibility of our actions. I'm just cynical regarding how the thoughts and prayers of the virtue-signaling internet are going to make her incarceration any more comfortable. It's certainly not helping Navalny. Gaming has taken a massive hit in Russia. I tried to buy Farming Simulator 2022 shortly after all this kicked off using my Russian card, but I gave up in the end. Even before the Visa and MasterCard sanctions hit, Steam claimed that there was a temporary issue with payments. G2A just flat out denied me access, even with a VPN. None of three other game code sites worked either, so I guess Russians are limited to either buying physical copies or pirating. That's not sustainable, however, as studios like Ukrainian GSC Game World, which develops Stalker 2, refuse to sell to Russia. Russian retailer NVIDIA announced today that they'll try to honor pre-orders, but it's ultimately outside of their control. Gamers in the comments reacted to the possible disruption of pre-orders of games. PC, hello Torrent. Xbox, hello Game Pass. Smartly done. Saved our money. On the 11th of March, Russia effectively made piracy legal, I suspect in retaliation to Microsoft. So suddenly P2P torrenting is back. But good luck to the Russian hackers when it comes to new multiplayer games. Thankfully, I don't have to go back to the days of Napster and LimeWire, as unlike most Russians who aren't oligarchs, I still have UK bank accounts. But combined with Google suspending payments to developers from the Play Store, altogether the Russian gaming industry has been battered. I'm hearing that numerous developers are fleeing the country, quite a few to neighboring Georgia, but expect to see an influx of Russian companies to places like Spain and, of course, Cyprus. In this specific regard, Russia faces the dreaded brain drain they suffered in the days of the Soviet Union. To their credit, they have taken steps to address this already. IT companies are now exempt from profit tax and inspections for three years, and they will also be given preferential loans at a rate of no more than 3%. I'll just remind you that currently, interest is 20%. The Prime Minister said the government will also give employees of such companies the opportunity to take out a preferential mortgage and specialists, until they reach the age of 27, will receive deferment from military service for the period of their work in Russian IT companies. Those are some attractive measures, but I'm not sure offering to not tax a mobile developer that's now receiving nothing from Google Play is going to cut the mustard. I'm extremely curious to know how this will affect Leicester Studios and other wargaming companies. As far as I know, sanctions have been extended to Belarus, and many of the developers for World of Tanks are, or at least were, based in Minsk. A lot of questions right now, particularly in the gaming space. Fingers crossed that this latest round of peace talks bears fruit.